The following podcast is not meant for children or for liberals, even though that's pretty much the same thing these days, but that's what we're here for. Somebody's got to keep these brats in line. Anyway, you've been warned. It's the right opinion. These days, our media's either incompetent or malevolent. They don't believe in heaven, but they acting like they haven't sent. Knowing the truth is way harder than telling it. We gotta work harder, gotta be more intelligent. Sometimes we just gotta grab a mic and start yelling shit. We're living in times when it's hard to stay relevant. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Boom. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to The Right Opinion dot podbean.com it's the right opinion podcast i am your not so humble host harrison bergeron happy to have you all aboard as always be sure to follow me on social media if you aren't doing so already at right opinion pod on instagram on twitter and on parlor that's where you could find me you can also email the show the right opinion pod at gmail.com if you got any stories you want me to cover or any takes you'd like me to take apart i am more than happy to do so by the way, to my fellows over at Rat Salad Review, sup, bros? We debating or what? What's the deal here? Wayne, hit me up, dude. Anyway, um, from there, I also want to tell you that this podcast is available not only at the therightopinion.podbean.com, but also on hameenmediagroup.podbean.com. It's a new feed. Uh, we had to split the channel into two because there were just so many shows over at hackerhameen.podbean.com. They are now over 2 million, or we are now over 2 million downloads. And uh, we decided to kind of split it up to kind of give some of the shows a place to shine. My show was one of those shows that was given the new platform. So be sure to check out hameenmediagroup.podbean.com or just search Hameen Media Group on most of your podcatchers. And you should probably find it there. And if I didn't mention it already, even though I did mention them, ratsaladreview.com. Check me out over there as well. It's all the same stuff, but however you'd like to get it really doesn't make all that big of a difference to me, quite frankly, as long as you're listening to it and uh, and check me out on social media and I'm posting everything. As soon as I release it, I'm pretty much posting it and, and sticking it to the top of the page there. So keep an eye out for that if that's the easiest way for you to get the right opinion. Speaking of, I happen to have an opinion at the very beginning of the Democratic primaries, and that opinion was that Kamala Harris would ultimately emerge as the Democratic nominee for president. And sure enough, I didn't know they were going to backdoor this bitch, but they they did just that, and there might be a pun intended in there some way, shape, or form. But Kamala Harris is running for vice president now on the Joe Biden ticket, which means she's essentially running for president because we all know that flippy-floppy, creepy-sleepy, malarkey-sloppy Joe is not going to be making it through the end of his first term, which means... Kamala Harris has shifted officially from Hillary of color to now Sarah Palin of color. She will potentially be, if elected, one heartbeat away from the presidency of the United States. And I just so happen to make my very first anti-Kamala Harris political ad, which I'm going to play for you right now. Senator Harris, you have said that you would take executive action on guns within your first 100 days, including banning imports of AR-15 assault weapons. That's right. President Obama, after Sandy Hook, more than 23 executive actions, and yet here we all are today. In recent days, former Vice President 
Biden has said about executive orders. Some really talented people are seeking the nomination. They said, I'm going to issue an executive order. Biden saying there's no constitutional authority to issue that executive order when they say I'm going to eliminate assault weapons, saying you can't do it by executive order any more than Trump can do things when he says he can do it by executive order. Does the vice president have a point there? Some things you can, many things you can't. Let's let the senator answer. Well, I mean, I would just say, hey, Joe, instead of saying no, we can't, let's say yes, we can. <laughs> let's be constitutional. We got a constitution. And yes, we can. Does one of us have to come out alive? <laughs> And there you have it. That is your potential vice president of the United States, ladies and gentlemen. Look, I mean, one way or another, she's running for president, right? Ultimately, I was correct. And that is not just because I like patting myself on the back, but because I want you people to know that you are not wasting your time when you listen to the right opinion. It may have gone the most crazy straw-esque route to get to where I ultimately thought we would end up, but we have gotten there I mean, really, I was right about the candidate. The thing is, is that I was wrong about how just unbelievably inept and ridiculous the Democrats are. I never in my wildest of dreams would have thought that the party of wokeness would have selected an old, rich, straight white man only to use him as cover, a Trojan horse, if you will, for this woman of color that we all know they so desperately wanted to begin with. I had no idea that the party of hashtag defund the police would bring in a former prosecutor to create the guise of moderation. And at the same time, I didn't realize that Bernie Sanders apparently wasn't liberal enough for the Democrats, as Kamala Harris is actually the only person tracking more liberal than Bernie Sanders in the year 2019, according to GovTrack.us. And this one was a doozy. Who could have imagined in the hashtag MeToo era, that the best choice for the vice presidential nominee to Joe Biden would be a woman who literally got to power by slobbing the knob of an older male politician. Yes, shoutouts to Willie Brown. I didn't realize that in the era of hashtag Black Lives Matter, the Democrats wanted to push a woman who purposefully kept men, largely men of color, mind you, in prison beyond their sentences in order to maintain cheap prison labor. You want to talk about systemic problems with law enforcement, her name is Kamala Harris. And I must admit that I didn't see the party of anybody could be any gender that they want to be, as long as they think it hard enough, would suddenly be so gung-ho about a biological woman and touting all of this first woman vice presidential candidate, yada yada, or whatever it is, the black, first black woman, first Indian woman, first Jamaican woman, all of the firsts. She's going to be the first one to try to make sure that Joe Biden gets coronavirus, too, if she's anything like her, uh, her, her Caucasian counterpart, Hillary Clinton. Anyway, I can't help but feel like this pick of Kamala Harris is just perfectly indicative of the left's hypocrisy on seemingly all issues, but... They are consistent on one front, and this front, I can guarantee you, will play itself out in the mainstream media between now and November 3rd. And this front is, and I guarantee this, is that any and all criticism of Kamala Harris 
will be met with accusations of racism and or sexism because nothing says strong, powerful woman of color like the need to be shielded from any and all attacks during a presidential race. This was the plan all along. I actually read an opinion article on MarketWatch.com today that was saying Biden lays trap for Trump. And it was all about how by picking a woman that this would bait Trump into picking on said woman. Well, I'm sorry to tell the guy who wrote that article. I believe his name was Paul. Paul, we've known it was going to be a woman for about four or five months now. Why did you now just write this article? Because it's this particular woman and because the leftist narrative will be any and all criticism against Kamala Harris will be deemed as racism and or sexism and or whatever phobia they can come up with. It's laughable. I'm starting to wonder if the Democrats are purposely trying to blow this because I can't come up with another explanation as to why. If they're trying to feign moderation, which the media, by the way, playing in complete lockstep with them on this, the New York Times, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, categorized Kamala Harris as a pragmatic moderate. But I just told you, in accordance with the 2019 tracker on GovTrack.us, she is the most liberal senator, at least in the year 2019, to her credit, She's only the fourth most liberal senator behind Bernie Sanders, Jeff Merkel of Oregon, and Kristen Gillibrand of New York over the course of the last five years. So since Trump's been in office, essentially, and even some time before that, Kamala Harris is the fourth most radical liberal in the Senate. And this is their moderate pick. This is the pick that's supposed to bring the middle of the road voters into the equation. And I'm sorry to tell them that this is going to be unsuccessful. Not because I wish it so, but because, after all, I am a pretty good political prognosticator. And as much as I like to get into the weeds of policy and polls and all of that good stuff, I love it. I cannot get enough of it, unfortunately for me. But at the end of the day, presidential elections generally come down to a couple of things. One of which, and the most important of which, is likability. And I know you're saying to yourself, Donald Trump's not all that likable. No, he's not. But the economy that he brought us pre-China virus is, as well as the protection of the Constitution, because let's face it, if it were up to the left, they would set it on fire. Kamala Harris herself, during the presidential primaries, uh, the Democratic primaries rather, had openly stated that she would write executive orders to ban guns. And then when she was told, strangely enough, by Biden, as you just heard in the ad there, that that's unconstitutional, she laughed at him. And, for that matter, laughed at the Constitution itself. This is supposed to be a woman of the law who is hopping on board with the defunding of the police. She's tried to be a little bit more measured in her language, but she has called for a fundamental reorganization of law enforcement. And if you think that sounds an awful lot like defunding the police said in the most politically correct possible way, congratulations, you're paying attention. And in addition to having a vice presidential candidate that is essentially untouchable, right? We're not allowed to make fun of Kamala Harris because then we're going to be sexist or we're going to be racist. This also helps Joe Biden because he needs to show off his black friends to ensure to everyone that the dude who thinks poor kids are just as smart as white kids that's a direct quote, worries about his kids growing up in, quote, 
a racial jungle, end quote, and thinks you have to use a slight Indian accent every time you walk into a Dunkin' Donuts or 7-Eleven in Delaware, they need to portray that that guy isn't a racist. So he was buddies with Barack. He's buddies with Kamala. I'm not racist. Come on, man. Look at all my black friends. It works for him. It won't work for you, unfortunately. Anyway, so Kamala Harris is the pick. Uh, There will obviously be a a lengthy breakdown of all of the flaws that Kamala Harris brings to the table here. At the end of the day, though, like I said, it all kind of comes down to likability. And all you need to do is hear that woman laugh once. I mean, really, when you listen to that clip that I just played there, the little ad that I made, you've got David Muir of ABC News asking Kamala Harris about this ridiculous executive order that she's promising, which is unconstitutional and will never pass. All the people bitching about Trump's executive orders today, which are actually designed to help the American people, those same people are going to bend over backwards to come up with justifications for why Kamala Harris can somehow use an executive order to essentially nullify the Second Amendment of the Constitution. None of this will ever hold water, even with the most ridiculous Supreme Court in human history. I still don't think that that will ever pass, because even if you agree with the sentiment, which I don't, uh, at the end of the day, it does set a terrible precedent that the govern that the that the federal government, the executive branch in particular, can just basically do whatever it wants as long as it signs an executive order. Thank the good Lord, Barack Obama never figured this out, although he damn sure tried anyway. But that's it. It's Kamala, it's Biden, it's Trump, and it's Pence, and we are off to the races. Anyway, this is not going to be a particularly long episode. I definitely wanted to touch on the Kamala Harris stuff. So there it is. Like I said, in future weeks, we will break down everything bad that there is to know about Kamala Harris, including Tulsi Gabbard just roasting her. Just go ahead and watch that clip. It's all over the internet right now. Tulsi Gabbard tore Kamala Harris a new asshole. And I assume this is probably her third because of what Willie Brown did to her back in the day. But neither here nor there. I suppose. Actually, it's very much here and very much there. You want to talk about Donald Trump grabbing people by the pussy? How about how about Kamala Harris grabbing career opportunities by the nutsack? No? It seems like one is way worse. If Donald Trump is bad for being the creepy guy who women sleep with to ultimately gain success, what does that make the women who sleep with the creepy guy in order to obtain success? I would think they are a little bit worse off at the end of the day. But hey, I guess that's for you to decide when you get to the polls in November. Moving on from there, let's get into some local governance, the uh, the great state of New York. It's seeing a little bit of a change of tone from some of its more prominent politicians. In this particular case, Andrew Cuomo and Chuck Schumer, of all people. Andrew Cuomo seems to have apparently figured out that the Republicans were right all along when they tell you that, hey, if you keep raising taxes, the rich people will eventually leave Here's uh, Fredo's brother crying to said rich people to come on back to the city. I know I killed your grandma, but please come back and spend your money. Heck, I'll even buy you a drink. People left because of COVID, because at one time we were the COVID hotspot. People left the city. Uh, We know people leaving the city for their homes in the Hamptons or Hudson Valley, young people going back to wherever they grew up, Chicago, etc., Uh, We have to get them back. We know complicating that is going to be this economic transformation that is happening where people are now working from home and they're reevaluating their basic business modality. They're doing that all across the country. 
uh, maybe I don't have to go back. Maybe I can send, uh, keep half my workforce home. That's happening everywhere. We know you also have, happening at the same time, an increase in crime. Uh, you had the incidents of looting. Uh, you know, for people who come are in this city now, they will say there's the homeless problem is worse. The graffiti problem is worse. So you have all these elements happening at the same time. So just to recap, uh, we dropped the ball so badly on the COVID thing that we basically turned um, our city, the shining beacon and greatest city in the world, into a shithole that no one wanted to live in because it was so rapidly infected by this disease that they were in charge of mitigating, not Donald Trump, Cuomo, and de Blasio in particular. They were in charge of trying to mitigate this. They failed miserably. They waited way too long. And then when everyone up and left, which was good, right? There's no, no greater social distance than like out in the Hamptons, right? But now they need them back. And when they ask them to come back, they say to them, no, we're not coming back. Because you defunded the police, and now there's more crime and graffiti than ever before, the shithole that was a shithole when we left it is now an even shittier hole than it was before. Perhaps Kamala's third asshole that I've mentioned before. Anyway, this is just, it, it, it's hilarious to watch him just sit there and go, oh, you know, things are real bad here, but we need you to come back and try to make them better. Because the only way I could fix this, and we're going to get to this in a second, is to take more of your money to pay for things that apparently are not police and apparently are not healthcare efforts to try to stop the spread of COVID. Most certainly not to compensate the nursing home victims that are dead today, specifically because of Andrew Cuomo's policies. As a matter of fact, I believe it was Janice Dean is like one of the weather ladies on Fox News. Her mother died in one of these nursing homes in New York State because of the policies of Andrew Cuomo. And I presume that her poor mother died alone in a room because no one's allowed to go visit her and probably died unnecessarily because there was a COVID victim brought into the facility that wouldn't have otherwise been there had Andrew Cuomo not been such a fucking idiot. But nevertheless, Janice Dean's mother is dead today. It's a high likelihood that that has everything to do with Andrew Cuomo's policy decisions. And she was actually asked to go speak I believe, at the New York State Senate to talk about this. And then at the last minute, she was canceled. By whom, you may ask? Well, she suspects it was Fredo's brother. Specifically named him. Anyway, so that's that's one half of Andrew Cuomo's uh, speech here. Let's get to the economic half of things, and then we'll go over to, uh, to Chucky Shoe. I literally talk to people all day long who are now in the Hamptons house, who also lived here, or in their Hudson Valley house or in their Connecticut weekend house. And I say, you got to come back. When are you coming back? We'll go to dinner. I'll buy you a drink. Come over, I'll cook. They're not coming back right now. And you know what else they're thinking? If I stay there, they pay a lower income tax. Ding, ding, ding. We have ourselves a winner. It's almost like people don't want to pay exorbitant taxes to live in a fucking shithole run by a goddamn moron. No? I mean, why would you? When you pay taxes, frankly, I don't know anyone who likes paying taxes. The liberals seem to think that everyone should be paying more, despite the fact that they don't voluntarily pay any more themselves, even though they very well could. As a matter of fact, the largest sum of voluntary taxes ever accumulated by the federal government, I think, was something like $12 million in any particular year, which sounds nice, but it's a drop in the bucket. It's pennies per person in the United States. 
It's not a thing. These bleeding heart liberals, they want to reach into your wallet when they're not willing to reach into their own. Sure, they're willing to reach into their own when the government holds them at gunpoint like the rest of us. But when they have the ability to just do it, there's all these problems in the world that they seem to think that money being thrown at it will be the solution. And yet, despite the fact that many of them have money and many of them support companies that have money beyond money, the Apples and the Amazons of the world. And yeah, I'm sure that they do some good here and there, mostly for tax write-offs. Let's not pretend that these are good people at the end of the day. As a matter of fact, if you read the book, I believe it's called Who Really Cares?, the author is slipping my mind at the moment, but it talks about the differences between Republicans and Democrats and goes on to say that Republicans are six times more likely to donate to charities than Democrats and can coincidentally donate about six times as much to charity as Democrats. But Andrew Cuomo's not looking for charity. He's looking for theft. He wants to reach into your pocket and take your money. So much so he's willing to buy you a drink now to take a fuck ton of your money later. Such a nice guy. And all of these people in Connecticut and in Jersey and in out in the Hamptons or whatever it is, they're not paying the state, the city taxes anymore because they're outside of the city. They might not be paying the New York state taxes, which are largely high in order to pay for the city. It's not the rest of New York that's causing the fiscal problems there. It's Bill de Blasio just giving money out like it's growing on trees, which if you ask most Democrats, they probably think it does. Anyway, so that's Cuomo essentially admitting I, I, a little bit of that was him throwing de Blasio under the bus because the two of them don't get along, even though they're politically in lockstep. It is a weird relationship there because de Blasio is the mayor of the greatest city in the world and Cuomo's just the governor of the state that happens to hold that city and all deference to uh, to my friends in upstate New York, but let's face it, the only part of New York that really matters is the part that's got the skyscrapers, and de Blasio knows that, and Cuomo knows that, and that's why the two of them don't necessarily get along all the time. It's a very weird political dynamic. I don't know that there's anything quite like it anywhere else in the world, but we're going to leave Frankenstein alone on this one. De Blasio managed to skate out of this segment unscathed, other than the fact that I just called him Frankenstein. And moving on from the, yeah, I know, it's Frankenstein's monster. Frankenstein was the doctor. Blow me. I'm not having any of it today. Anyway, so Chuck Schumer, he apparently has figured out that Donald Trump has been right this whole time about schools reopening. Don't take my word for it. Here's Chucky himself. Opening up the schools safely. If you don't open up the schools, you're going to hurt the economy significantly because lots of people can't go to work. No shit. Is this not what the lockdown protesters had been saying the entire time? I mean, even it, it, take the schools out of it alone. People need to work. And many people have businesses that they've dumped their lives into. Not only their money, but their time, all the opportunity cost that goes into opening a business, the risk involved that many people, myself included, don't take because it is, in fact, risky. This is one of these wonderful things about America is that you have the ability to assess your own risk up until the point that your tyrannical governor tells you to hide in your fucking basement. I can assess my own risk in terms of opening a business. I can assess my own risk in terms of going outside in the middle of a supposed, you know, life-threatening pandemic. It is life-threatening if you're, you know, around age 80, which I assume most of you are not because I don't know many 80-year-olds who figured out how to listen to podcasts, or even know what one is, for that matter. It's hard enough trying to explain the internet, never mind internet radio, which is essentially what we're doing here. But Chuck Schumer suddenly changing his tune. Now, why is that? 
There can only be one reason a Democrat changes its mind about anything. This is a fact. This is a certainty. It is one of the great constants of the universe. And that is that polls told them they were fucking up. Chuck Schumer didn't wake up one morning and was like, oh, you know what? We really need to get the economy going. We should probably open up those schools. Nope. What probably happened was is that some focus group that the Democrats work with told them or conveyed to them through some form of polling that the Democrats are the ones that are going to be blamed by the public if the schools are not open in September. And they can pretend all they want that they care about the children. They don't care about the children because they were ready to abort them five minutes ago. But even if they did care about the children, the science says the children are largely not at risk of this. As a matter of fact, one could almost say that they are almost immune to this, which actually conveniently brings me to my next point, which is Twitter suspending the Trump team on Twitter. So there was a video posted by the Trump campaign, Trump team, I believe it's like at Trump team 2020 or whatever it is, uh, I follow it. I just don't know what the name of it is. And there was a video posted of Donald Trump saying the words, children are almost immune to this, which let's take a step back. I This is the first time that I could think of that Donald Trump hedged anything. <laughs> a man who lives in a hyperbole using words like almost in an instance like that must have actually taken a year off of his life. You're welcome, liberals. I know you're all happy about that. But here's the thing. This is the death of nuance. The death of nuance. Not the death of your five-year-old that's going to school, because kids are almost immune from this thing. As a matter of fact, even CDC numbers show that you are, as a child, as a, as a young child, I believe 10 and under was the specific age range, four times more likely to die of the common cold, or the seasonal flu, rather, than you are of dying of COVID-19. It turns out this virus, like every conservative outlet has been telling you, affects different people in different ways. If you're a young kid, you're vibrant, you've got a hell of an immune system, you will be fine in all likelihood, barring any sort of comorbidity, immunodeficiency, whatever the hell. If you're an average, healthy eight-year-old, frankly, I mean, my kid's a little older, and uh, I unfortunately don't have full control over what she does all the time, but I would I would have chicken pock parties where every kid gets this fucking thing, and then we can send them all to school, because none of them would then have it, they'd all have the antibodies, they can no longer spread it, and again, there is virtually no risk. They are, to quote the president, almost immune from this. Now, Twitter yanked that information down. This is, I got an article in the show notes here from NPR. They yanked that post down, and they told the Trump team that they need to remove it in order to be able to tweet again, completely ignoring the nuance there. Almost immune is not the same as saying immune. Like disinfect does not always mean Lysol. There are words that have multiple meanings. There are ways to curb your speech that don't make declarative statements. He did not make a declarative statement there. He said kids almost, which is not definitely, which is not not. It's somewhere in between, closer to almost, but not uh, closer closer to definitely, but not definitely, almost. Because again, the science says that's true. There have been studies from Germany, from the Netherlands, from Ireland, from Iceland, and most recently, I believe from Greece. The Greeks invented COVID-19. Tell Greek God Papadon. Um, shout out to my homie media people over there. Anyway, so almost 
immune is enough to have you removed from Twitter. Not just you, your campaign. If you are running for president, Twitter is telling you that you're not allowed to even use a smidge of hyperbole or exaggeration in any way, shape, or form, especially when related to COVID-19. So I better not see, I better not see Joe Biden and Kamala Harris posting shit about kids dying from this in large numbers or that the schools can't be opened because of the threat to children because there is no science that supports that nonsense. And yet that will be what they go running on from now until September and then the schools will either be open or they won't be open or they'll be in the process of opening maybe gradually as we build towards November 3rd. But I can rest assured, and the Democrats know this, and that's why Chuck Schumer said what he said what he said and why Twitter is pulling down tweets from the Trump campaign. And that is this. If come November 3rd, parents are still at home, unable to go to work, watching their kids watch a screen, barely getting an education, Trump wins unequivocally a hundred thousand times over. He will win the popular vote. He will take states you didn't even see him take. And the Democrats know this, which is why Chuck changed his tune on all this because they know that Trump wants the schools open. And if the schools are not open, it is most definitely not his fault. And not even their media friends are going to be able to spin that. And that leaves only one party to blame. And that party happens to be the one that wears the blue ties, or I guess in Kamala's case, the blue pantsuit. Or Hans Willie Brown, the blue pill. However you want to do it. Doesn't really matter, neither here nor there. A couple more things on Trump. This is going to be a short episode. I don't have a ton to talk about, but these things I kind of thought were all important, and I want to run through them real quick. So Trump's executive orders on relief, first and foremost, politically brilliant. Why? Well, he probably can't do any of this stuff for the same reasons that Kamala Harris is unable to do uh, the gun ban. Although, actually, there are some elements of this that were passed through the Office of Legal Counsel, according to Peter Navarro, one of the economic advisors to the president, and for that matter, at least one of these things has been done via executive order, I believe, in the past, and that would be the payroll tax deferral. Trump keeps saying he's cutting it. He is not cutting it yet. Here's the catch. He does not have the ability to outright waive the tax. But what he does have the ability to do is to tell the Treasury to defer the tax until the end of the year. And then, in brilliant Donald Trump fashion, Look, I don't always believe the 4D chess is a thing, but when the 4D chess is definitively a thing as it is right now, it is definitely a thing. I'm not saying it's his idea either. This could have been a Kushner thing, could have been a Navarro thing, could have been any of the economic advisors, could have been a Mnuchin thing. But here is what he's planning on doing. He will defer the payroll tax, which is approximately 6.2% of your paycheck, which will now go back into your pocket as opposed to going to the government to pay for its endless entitlement programs. That money will now go back into your pocket. And if reelected, Trump will waive that tax at the end of the year through legislation, which he will be able to do through legislation, but he cannot do through executive order. So if you don't want to have to pay all that money back at the end of the year, guess who you have to vote for? <laughs> this is fucking brilliant. He has turned the Democrats. We will give you free shit agenda against them. This is this is one of the most brilliant political moves Donald Trump has ever pulled off. And again, I don't even know that this is his idea, and I don't care because he's going with it. 
So the Democrats like to do this thing where vote for me, we'll give you, we'll forgive your student loans. Vote for me, we'll give you free college. Vote for me, free health care. Illegal immigrant, vote for me too. I'll get you free health care. Shh, don't tell anybody. That's the Democrat plan is that vote for me and you get free shit. Well, now Trump, in the most Republican possible way, has done this where if you don't want to have to pay that 6.2% of your salary back for six months of the year, you're going to have to vote for Donald Trump. Otherwise, that that's not going to get waived. Do you think the Biden administration, the Biden-Harris administration, fuck, it might be the Harris administration by the time they actually get to passing legislation after they're done kissing all the babies and jerking each other off for the, for the job that they did getting rid of Donald Trump. Does anyone actually believe that they're going to be able to do anything when they get into office anyway? Unless they get the Senate. They're done. Like that, if they, if it, you know, if they don't get the Senate, they're never going to get anything through cocaine, Mitch. It's just not going to happen. Not to mention, they're going to spend four years prosecuting Donald Trump about shit that he didn't actually do. Is anyone really excited about a Biden-Harris presidency? That much I need to know. Ask your friends. Ask your loved ones. Drive around your neighborhood. You see Biden signs anywhere? You see Biden bumper stickers anywhere? You see anybody wearing a Make America Sane Again hat or whatever the fuck the Biden version of the Make America Great Again hat would be? Chances are you're not, and that's because there is no excitement over Joe Biden. There is only excitement over getting rid of Donald Trump. Why? Well, because these people have been so woefully misinformed. They have no idea the lunacy that they are signing us up for. I get it. Trump's presidency has been a circus. I get it. He's, He's a clown at times. I get it. Here's the deal, though, is that the media is the ringmaster. And you are just, I don't know, you're the guy shoveling the elephant shit. That's really where you are. That's, that's wow, that's a magnificent metaphor. The media has created, not only created Donald Trump and kind of put him in the place to where he needed to be anyway, and thank God, I actually will thank the media for that. But here's the deal with Trump. Yeah, he's a little rough around the edges. Yeah, he's a little ignorant at times. Yeah, he's a little mealy-mouthed. Yeah, he's got some stuff going on uh, with women. Yeah, he's, he's probably not the most ethical businessman you've ever met in your life. All that's true. But as a president, he's done a hell of a job for our country. He's brought back a bajillion jobs. He's secured our borders. He's put justices and judges on courts that actually give a shit about the Constitution. He has pulled us out of these ridiculous multinational things like the TPP and the PCA, uh, the the Trans-Pacific Partnership and the Paris Climate Accord, things that were just burning money. These are, these are things that we were dumping money into that we were getting absolutely nothing out of. He's also, by the way, gotten our foreign allies in NATO and the UN to start paying their way instead of letting us fit the bill for them on everything, sit around talking about how wonderful they are and how stupid our president is, and then they want us to pay for shit. Fuck you. Pay your own way. Donald Trump has made them do that. And yes, there are, again, a lot of things that have been kind of crazy, right? The Russia gate, the impeachment gate, the COVID nonsense. How much of that is actually Donald Trump? And how much of that is the media telling you it's Donald Trump? Seriously. The COVID stuff, every every governor in the country has told you that he's given them everything that they needed. Uh, every expert has told you that he's followed their word on pretty much everything, Fauci included, Dr. Burks included. These people are basically tied to his hip, and he has not deviated from them in any way other than, and even Fauci went along with the travel ban, but the travel ban was something that he did before the World Health Organization was willing to do it. As a matter of fact, they were still actively discouraging travel bans two months after Donald Trump put his in place. They clearly 
we're not all that interested in slowing the spread of the virus because you would think that stopping people from traveling willy-nilly all across the world during a global pandemic would probably be like the first step towards stopping the virus. But no, don't don't worry about it. As a matter of fact, don't do it at all, said the World Health Organization as it was sucking China's dick. Yeah, no, it's a particularly vulgar episode this week. You know what it is? I've been listening to Derek Hunter over at the Derek Hunter podcast. It used to be the Daily Daily Caller podcast, but now he's doing a monthly or a weekly Patreon episode where he basically does the week in fucking review is what he calls it. And he just tears into everyone and anyone. And it's hilarious. And it is it has encouraged me to turn my, my vulgarity up a notch here because I was kind of always the point in this. I wanted to be Howard Stern meets Rush Limbaugh and uh, and I'm not meeting the Howard Stern requirement yet, so uh, I'm going to have to turn it up a notch. Thank you, Derek, for the inspiration, and thank you, Howard, for, uh, well, you suck now, so who gives a shit? Anyway, there were some things about these executive orders that I did want to put into effect. So obviously, the payroll tax cut or deferral is one thing, and again, if you reelect Donald Trump, he'll waive it for you at the end of the year through legislation. Uh, also, he's having HUD, uh, the... Department of Housing and Urban Development. That's uh, I think that's Ben Carson's gig still. I don't know if he's still in charge of it anymore. But nevertheless, uh, the HUD secretary and the HUD department, the Housing and Urban Development Department, are looking into uh, an eviction moratorium, which is something that has kind of been, it was passed with the last legislation, which basically means like your landlord can't evict you during all this. I'm not a huge fan of these things. This is, this is, these are the problems I have with Donald Trump is that he's too nice to people. I know that sounds ridiculous, especially if you're a leftist, but if you're a conservative, the idea of telling landlords that they cannot get rid of their tenants when they're not paying rent is absurd. It is insanely anti-capitalist, but it's being done with the best of intentions to try to help the American people. And it's also being done politically because when the Democrats go to go to try to challenge these executive orders in courts, they're going to have to make the argument that they want you kicked out of your home because Donald Trump wants the other wants it the other way. And they have no other reason. It's not that they really want you kicked out of your home. It's just that they cannot allow Donald Trump a win, even if it's a win for you and me as well. They can't have it. That's even worse because then he gets to gloat about it and then they have to hear him and he will gloat about it and they will hear him. He has the loudest microphone in the world, essentially, between his Twitter and his and his podium in the, uh, in the press briefing room there. Also, he is going to be extending the extra unemployment benefits. He did knock them down a little bit. They were $600 extra a week on top of what you would normally get. He wants to lower that to 400. He wants the Fed to fund 300 of it and he's allowing and he's telling the states basically that they have to fund the other 100 of it. Now a lot of the states are complaining, "Oh, we can't do that. We're already funding other things." Many of these states have not actually spent all of the funds that were sent out to them in the first relief package. And for that matter, these are the governors in a lot of these states that are pushing for radical things like adding on to the unemployment benefit from the federal government coffers and not from their own. It's sort of silly. Now, I do like this as much as I don't like the added benefit at all. I like that he's starting to take it down a little bit, right? It was 600. Now it's 400. The Democrats wanted you to be dope fiends. And this government aid was the dope. Donald Trump weaning you off of it. Like, uh, you know, like just like he was doing with the with the um, opioid crisis. Right. This is he's tackling this the same way as he's tackling that is you got to you got to wean people off of these things in order to ultimately get them whole again and make them good again and, and not have them sucking at the government teat and, you know, wondering why they don't have free everything. You cannot just continue to give things to people 
without them eventually expecting that that's what you're supposed to give them. As a matter of fact, case in point, good friend of mine, he knows who he is and he's probably listening. He does another podcast on another network, completely unrelated to the subjects I'm talking about here, and he gets paid from them. He didn't ask to be paid. They asked him to come on. He was willing to do the show. Then they said, hey, we're going to start giving you a couple bucks for doing this, and rightfully so. He was getting paid for the work he was doing. I'm, I'm not making any qualms about his want for the money here, but he worked it into his budget, and now all of a sudden they're not paying him anymore. Well, I mean, if you give somebody something that they really, I mean, in some cases weren't even asking for, in this particular case they weren't even asking for it, but if you keep giving it to them, eventually they're going to want to know where it is, even though the, the deal was never that they would get it in the first place. And this is even worse here. Because people's lives are actually in danger. Like, my friend's just fine. That little bit missing from his budget is hopefully not killing him. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, he, he will be able to pay his bills and he will be able to feed his kids without that money. Thank the good Lord. But there are other people out there who had actual jobs, that had full-time jobs, like jobs that were the main source of income for not only them but the household. And now they might not be able to go back either because everything's shut down or because schools are shut down and there's no one there to watch their kid. This is a terrible circumstance. And the Democrats keep talking about how Trump's economy did this, that, and the other thing, as if any of them have ever, at any point during this whole process, projected or presented a solution that would not have involved a massive blow to the economy. Here's the thing. When there's a global pandemic and things are shut down, which, by the way, most of you, the Democratic governors and the Democratic senators and the Democratic House of Representatives members, those people... I guess they're representatives, right? Uh, those people were the ones that were screaming the loudest for the lockdowns. And now that the lockdowns have tanked the economy, now they're blaming the economy on Trump. Mind you, the economy succeeding up until the China virus made its way to our shores, that was Obama. But now it's Trump because of decisions they made. It. I hate to say it again, and I know Hameen's going to yell at me about this, but this is pure, unadulterated gaslighting. Moving on, last thing here before we get home, uh, Trump and his pimp walk out of the press briefing. So for those of you who didn't hear it or see it or whatever the case may be, I'm going to play it. It's going to be kind of tough to tell exactly what's going on here, obviously, if you're listening. Um, and I, I'm not going to have this on the video version either because I don't really take the time to do that. By the way, if anybody wants to do video edits for me, holla at your boy, the right opinion pod at gmail.com. And uh, I'll hook you up with the, with some some nice tasks. By the way, I'm sure I can make you an intern of some sort here. It's sort of an organization. If not, I can have Hamin sign something for you. He runs the big show over at hackerhamin.podbean.com. But nevertheless, uh, I can use some assistance in the way of video editing, and, uh, and I'd, I'd appreciate it. But let's get back into this here. So Trump is doing the press briefing the other day, the coronavirus press briefing, and suddenly the Secret Service walks on the stage and says, Sir, I need you to come with me. And, uh, well, let me play the audio, and then I'll kind of do the recap. Here it is. It's hopefully Sorry. soon. Excuse me? So the Secret Service officer walks up on the stage. Mind you, again, this is the President of the United States in the middle of a COVID, you know, pandemic press briefing. This is a pretty important moment for him, the Secret Service apparently felt that his life was in danger. There was, I guess, a shooting that took place outside of the grounds of the White House. It looked like a suspect was attempting to pull a gun on law enforcement. He didn't actually have a gun. Nevertheless, law enforcement shot him anyway in the torso. He was on his way to the hospital. I believe he survived. But you're actually going to hear the press asking a bunch of questions about 
the shooter here. None of these fucking clowns even remotely concerned about the president of the United States. And frankly, they don't need to be. But the, the way that they're asking these questions, you can tell immediately they're looking for a way to spin this and that the Secret Service either did something like this to try to get Trump out of the press briefing or they're just willy-nilly shooting people or this is another way that we can turn in uh, turn the case against law enforcement in general. Here are the dumb-ass questions that the dumbest people in the country, the White House press corps, had to ask the president moments after he was rushed out of the briefing room because of his life potentially potentially being in danger. Uh, just told me when he came up, you pretty much saw it like I did. He said, sir, could you please come with me? So you were surprised. I was surprised also. I think it's probably pretty unusual, but uh, very, very professional people. They do a fantastic job, as you know. So it seems to me, it seems to be from what I was said, there was uh, a shooting, it was uh, law enforcement, uh, shot someone, seems to be the suspect, and the suspect is now on the way to the hospital. I can't tell you the condition of the suspect. There was nobody else injured. There was no other law enforcement injured. And I just want to, I will get on to the press conference, but I, I do want to thank Secret Service. They, they are fantastic. The job they do, uh, from what I understand, the answer is yes. That's what I understand. I don't know. You'll have to ask him. What I don't know that. No. I don't know. You'll have to get. There. They'll have a. They'll have a detailed, maybe a briefing for you outside later. I don't know. I didn't ask that question. It might not have had anything to do with me. It might have been something else. Was he armed? What kind of weapon? Was it a man or a woman? Even though they all goddamn well know it was a man because women typically don't do these sorts of things. And those of us who recognize the difference between men and women actually get that. But the media members have their heads so far up their ass that they actually can see back out their own mouth. It's it's a weird paradox. It's like those steps, right? The pin row steps, I think is what they're called. That's, that's the media. Um, head in ass and ass in head and just a big cycle of physically inconceivable bullshit and that's just who and what they are but the best part about all this like i said they were definitely looking for a story there what well, was he armed what happened was it something you said mr president because we we want to blame you for the potential assassination attempt on your life because we are depraved fucking mongrels of human beings but like i said the best part about all this and i, I should have touched on this before i went back into that rant there um when the secret service person walks up to him says excuse me sir you're gonna need to come with me we need to step outside and he goes excuse me like he's like i'm the fucking president i'm in the middle of a press briefing right now like what are you doing to me now granted the secret service again would not have pulled him out of there unless they were really concerned for his life because and I was listening to Bongino talk about this. He's a former secret former Secret Service agent. He was on the Obama and the Clinton detail, I believe Bush as well. Um, but he was talking about how uh, maybe it was Bush and Obama and Hillary Clinton at, when she was the Secretary of State. Neither here nor there. Former Secret Service agent. And he was talking about in moments like this, the Secret Service has to take into account that rushing out there in the middle of a live press conference of pulling the president off the stage could be a real problem. Now, granted, the stock market had already closed for the day, but that's something that could have actually caused a, a tank in the market if all of a sudden people thought that the president's life was in danger, particularly this president who has been so friendly to the markets. This could have been a real problem, but the Secret Service did their job. 
They thought the president's life was in danger. They walk out. They say, sir, you need to come with us. You need to step outside. There have been shots fired. Trump's response? Oh. And he turns and he slowly walks to the door. People, because the media are never happy and can never give Donald Trump credit for anything, or for that matter, not give him credit. I don't need you to give him credit. I just need you to not find a way to bash him at every given turn, especially when it's a nonsensical thing like this. The guy was as cool as a cucumber. He was basically just told by the Secret Service, your life is in danger. His response was, oh. And then he turned slowly, and he walked towards the door. Why? Because you never let them see you sweat. By the way, doesn't this debunk the whole Bunker Don thing? Remember when Trump was hiding in a bunker in uh, because of the riots outside the White House, which is, by the way, where the president should be if there are riots going on outside the White House, short of getting him off of the grounds altogether. But the Secret Service is there for a reason. 50 of them were injured during the time trying to protect Donald Trump from those riots. And people were, oh, Donnie's hiding in his bunker. Okay. Does he have a choice? He does not have a choice. And I can tell you, if he did have a choice, like it appeared he did today, or during that press briefing, he got right out of the bunker, which wasn't really the bunker. It was like another room that they had the ability to control. They call it a hard room. It's basically a one, one door in, one door out sort of room that they could easily defend and protect the president um, anybody who saw X-Men First Class, there's like a bunker under the White House sort of deal, something like that. It doesn't necessarily need to be an actual physical bunker under the White House, but it's some room that's easily defendable. No windows, one door, one way in, one way out, um, presumably a second way out that's probably secret to anybody else who's not going in there, hence Secret Service. But I don't know their protocols. I don't ever plan on finding out. But neither here nor there, they are in charge on those moments. Mr. President, you need to come with me. They're the only people in that particular moment that could tell the president what to do. And uh, they do, and they did, and he followed instruction. More importantly, he didn't panic. He didn't go running out of the room. He realized, granted, that he was being watched. So there was an element of that. But still, cool as a cucumber. The whole room, you heard all the flashbulbs popping off because as soon as the Secret Service person entered the room... They were all like, oh, my God, this is huge. This is like that weird 9-11 moment with George Bush sitting in the classroom of kindergartners reading a book. It's like this could be an iconic moment in American history. It turned out it was just some jackass who probably didn't like Trump pretending to shoot at law enforcement for the purposes of being a martyr. This stupid anti-police crusade that we have going on here. But Donald Trump, cool as the other side of the pillow, ice in his veins. And not only does he go away with a simple O, a turn, and a bit of a pimp walk— out, out of the Brady press room, but he comes back within minutes, and he was asked by one of the reporters, Mr. President, are you rattled? And he gives the most Donald Trump answer of them all. Here he is. Are you rattled by this at all, Mr. President? I don't know. Do I seem rattled? The answer, of course, is no. Unflappable Don, this guy. I mean, it's my president, man. I'm happy to have him. I, I am. Um, I was, full disclosure, Having a little bit of anxiety about this election last couple of weeks, like it was really bothering me. You guys know how dedicated I am to this sort of stuff, not just to the president, but just politics in general. I love our country, and I think that the Democrats are going to ruin it. I, if I didn't, I wouldn't come on here and say it. I have no vested interest in the downfall of the Democratic Party other than I don't believe that they're acting in the best interest of us. 
and I got to tell you, I'm listening to a lot of prognosticators, other other people who who you know do make predictions about these sorts of things, pollsters and political trend guys, and guys who come up with formulas for who's going to win the presidency. And a lot of the signs are pointing to a Donald Trump victory. I know that the polls are not currently saying that, but here's some factors to consider: Are there any Joe Biden voters still hanging around out there? Is there anybody out there who hasn't made up their mind who's definitely going to jump to Joe Biden now? Because like I said before, I don't think anyone's excited about Joe Biden. I think they're excited about getting rid of Donald Trump, and that was never going to change regardless of who Donald Trump ran against. Those votes have been harvested already. The 30 to 33 percent of the active voters that are die hard, died in the wool Trump people, those voters are, are, are accounted for at this point. And I think we're at a very slim margin of people out there. Uh, the, the, the independents obviously are going to make the difference in this election like they do with all elections, but I think... Even many of them have made up their minds. Yeah, Trump's a brute, and he's he's a loudmouth, but the Democrats are also trying to take away your guns, your freedom of speech. They're trying to give everyone free everything on your dime. And independents, as boring as they are in their centrism and their moderation, they're smart enough to know that I'd rather deal with hearing about Donald Trump's tweets while their 401k grows, their job is is there and accounted for potentially even hiring or giving them raises while justices and judges are being put on courts that actually care about our founding principles while our border is being secured, while our standing in the world, despite the fact that everyone seems to think we're this big laughing stock, when Trump flexes the American muscle, everyone else cowers because that's what they're supposed to do. Mind you, let's also take into consideration that George Soros, Iran, and China have all essentially endorsed Joe Biden. If that doesn't tell you everything you need to know, frankly, I don't know you know much about anything. That said, that is pretty much it for this week. My short show turned into almost an hour rant, so I hope there was some information in there that helped you. There are articles and clips in the show notes should you want to share them with your friends and family. I think that some of them are helpful. I will also drop the link to uh, my little anti-Kamala Harris political ad in the show notes as well for you to share that. I'll also be tweeting it fervently, so find me on Twitter at RightOpinionPod, also on Parler and on Instagram. And feel free to email the show at TheRightOpinionPod at gmail.com. And for that matter, follow this show. If you haven't done so already, subscribe at TheRightOpinion.Podbean.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, uh, also Homming Media Group dotpodbean.com also available on itunes google play stitcher soundcloud all that good stuff and ratsaladreview.com wayne once more hit a brother up and for that matter opinions they are like assholes everybody's got one but this asshole has the right opinion and you can only get it right here on the right opinion podcast i'm harrison bergeron talk to you guys next time Peace. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Be the elephant in the room in a room full of elephants. Boom. Boom.